0: I'm Will Hansen and welcome to the Experts in the Room podcast, brought to you by Extreme Push. In this series, we chat to some of the leading minds working in the customer experience, retention and data space in some of the most competitive and fastest growing industries in the world. In this episode, Experts in Email, I spoke with Dylan Rogers. Dylan is an email marketing guru with Madcraft Agency and founder and CEO of Tong Chi, one of Hong Kong's leading gourmet brands. We go deep on the most important channel in anyone's marketing mix, email. Dylan has learned the do's and don'ts of email marketing on the fly as a brand owner and the practical tips in this session are bettered by none. Strap in, it's a long one, but it's a good one. Welcome to Experts in the Room today. Um, I'm super excited to catch up with someone I haven't talked to for quite a while. Um, Dylan Rogers, CEO and founder of Biltong Chief, an excellent um, e-commerce brand, but also Working with Madcraft A just agency as an email expert. Um, Dylan, been a long time. Love lovely to catch up again, mate. Yeah, thanks, all well,
1: thanks for having me. Great to catch you. It's been a while, in, it has been a while indeed,
0: man. To to give the little bit of backstory, I um I I was based in Hong Kong for a few years, and so was Dylan. Um, both of us kind of pretending to play rugby. <laughs> but more importantly, um, working in the teamware industry, Dylan created one of the best, uh, one of the best food brands, I think that you could you could ever create. Um, for those that haven't tried it, Biltong, um, uh, a South African, uh, what would you describe it as a meat treat? I guess a jerky, cheat, uh, jerky um, uh, treat. It's like uh, the Ferrari of jerky. Uh, it's unbelievable. And um, working in a teamwear brand, I think we were getting weekly deliveries Brilliant. from Biltong Chief. Um, <laughs> you yeah, were indeed eating eating lots of jerky. <laughs> so that that's where this has come about. So. It's great to catch up again, mate.
1: Yeah, no, good to be up. I was going to correct you quickly. We, do, as Biltong um, uh, purists, we don't want to call uh, Biltong jerky they They chalk and cheese there, man. They're similar yeah, principle, yeah, I'm, but I'm going to have to
0: catch you there. So <laughs> I've just, I've just absolutely, I've absolutely undersold the product. That's probably <laughs> <laughs> 101 of, of marketing of the not to do. Comparing a, a premium product with um, shitty jerky. So yeah, apologies about that, mate. No, no, we'll forgive you this time. Um. So it's it's really great to have you on the pod today, um, Dylan. I think I'd love to attack this from two angles. Yeah. You, you, you're you're unique in the way that you've kind of um, worn two hats, right? You, we'd love to hear about your story about creating essentially an e-commerce brand from a, a, a passion project in Hong Kong. Um, obviously, bringing that brand to Europe uh, with a move to Ireland, and then and then also we want to tap into kind of your expertise that you've developed. Around engaging with customers and understanding data, and, and being able to drive success as an e-commerce brand. So, maybe if you give us a little five, uh, a couple of minutes on, on Bill Tong and the story of of the growth of your brand.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So I mean, like I said, we we're based in Hong Kong, and um, was there for about six years. And while I was there, obviously, playing rugby. And now, being a South African, like for us, Bill Tong, just to summarise, which is a ready-to-eat dried meat snack, high in kind of protein, is uh, like as opposed to South Africans, it's kind of like Taito's for the Irish, you know? It's like, there's Biltong everywhere, man. So being in Hong Kong, I was like, I need to get this over here. It started as, I miss Biltong. How can I get it here? Get it to people and maybe I can get a few free pieces myself, you know? So anyway, we've kind of built Biltong Chief over the years. It was set up in 2015. I had a co-founding partner, Matt Rosley, who's also a South African man and he's still based in Hong Kong now actually, but uh, spent years playing for Hong Kong rugby and and the Valley. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's kind of it started as um, I suppose with inspiration from reading the, the old Tim Ferriss Four Hour Work Week. You know, back in the day, I was like, right, yeah. I get something on the go here and make it as hands off as possible. So we, we bought boats over, and I, I still remember like I think our first shipment was something like 50 kgs got delivered in a box to our little uh, apartment in Happy Valley, and myself and Matt and my wife and, and Matt's wife, but both our partners at the time. We're all in our little apartment there hand packing these, these bags of Biltong. You know, our, our supplier in South Africa, who I've known since I was, I was a kid, um, and just packing them in bulk bags. And, you know, we repackage it and put this cheap sticker on we had and put yep. them into brown bags, and we got either trams or whatever it was around Hong Kong delivering it to people um, who had ordered. And the traditional order system when we started was we sent it to the different rugby clubs on an Excel sheet yep. to like guys we knew, we didn't really have a website, like, hey, we've got Biltong. Every club had like a South African, does anyone want? And you know, that's where we started. And uh, you know, now you know we bring in shipments of you know a ton at a time or whatever it might be, where you know it started yeah. as 10, 12 boxes, and obviously it went from word of mouth to going, Hey, we actually uh, need a website. We we need to make this you know scalable. And yeah, at that stage i had no experience in e-commerce, but I was obviously you know looking in, so into starting to look into that world and how it all works. And, you know, we started with a very simple Wix drag and drop website and um, built it out. And one of the things that we had always said from the beginning was that like, one of the most important things for us is our relationship with the customers. So there was utmost knowledge of e-commerce and all those, that's what we want to be about the customers. And and yeah, we kind of took it from there. We're now eight eight years in, um, would probably be the leading supplier in Hong Well, we are the leading supply in Hong Kong with Biltong, without a doubt. We've expanded to beyond Biltong and we now are more of an online butchery come deli, where we import premium steaks and, um, you, you know, we do seafood, we do chicken, yeah. we import wine from South Africa. Um, and, and yeah, we, we essentially are your online go-to grocery and delivery. We, we've been fortunate that we've won Hong Kong's um, best online grocery store or food supplier for, for two years, I think 2021 and 2022. Pending 2023 results still. So we will find out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and a spin off of that, we've ended up opening a a deli called Chiefs Blend where we partnered with another Hong Kong brand called um, Blend and Grind, another friend in Hong Kong, uh, Johnny Reese. And we've kind of got a hybrid cafe where we sell our on out of a brick and mortar and we do a lot yeah. of like, you know, food catering and that. So yeah, it's kind of grown from this little side hustle into a, a fairly decent e-commerce business.
0: Yeah, I- I find it amazing and you, and you see so much with and like obvious entrepreneurial skills from from you and the guys setting it up, um, but really successful um, scale-up e-commerce brands that are bootstrapped like you guys have done um, by finding a niche um, and spotting that niche, obviously, within the rugby community as your starting yeah. point within Hong Kong and then building that out into something that has become much bigger and wider than just selling built-on. I, I think it's a really cool story on... On, on how to kind of be self made and look for a niche if you're thinking of going into e commerce or retail or thinking of following a passion project and then really doubling down on it. The customer care piece, um, I can speak as a customer built <laughs> on. I'm not I'm not just yeah, saying okay. that. I was working for a for a um, a family run um, teamwear business called Tsunami Sport at the time, and it's that community yeah. aspect um, within a place like Hong Kong. For those listeners that that wouldn't know, is actually a really big city, but with a, a relatively tight knit expat community yeah. um, that has some demands for premium quality goods that you probably aren't getting necessarily um, from the Asian markets over there. So, um, I think a, a really cool story on being able to spot a niche and then really start to expand it and then grow your footprint. Um,
1: yeah, and I mean, I think I think to kind of to just kind of get back into that piece, talking about you know the importance of the community and the customer service is. Yeah. You know, so when you start with your your niche product, you've probably got a little bit more flexibility because there's not as many people, um, you know, supplying it. That people are going to come to you yep. to get it if they want it. So I think you know some people get caught in this trap of look, people buy it, whatever it is. But I think we kind of what's what served us well when we have entered your kind of very you know your commodity such as like a steak, we can get it from anybody. Yep. What's yep. that is where the customer service and that relationship building has really allowed scalability because. The Biltong is going to have, you know, it's, it's cap or it's kind of, you know, a peak, and then to grow, you have your other products. And yeah. people might come, but then what's going to then select? Why would you just come to us to buy this steak? Where you can go to, you know, I'm not going to give anyone else's names, but there's five or six other, seven other expat yeah. suppliers online, and that's where the relationship it goes. When someone comes down to it, and they've got to make a decision, why am I choosing that person over that person? You know, when you that kind of that kind of product, price is going to be there's going to be a five or ten percent variable at the most, unless you you know are yep. importing something very unique, and uh, it then comes down to that customer service piece and the relationships you've built. So let's let's touch on that. And as someone that was
0: kind of starting out on it, and and we'll take this journey. How how would you be looking at talking to someone? now about starting that journey and the channels that they need to really be doubling down with with customer service is it um for for an online business is it having a really good response rate on your website to questions is it is it making sure that you're marketing up to date do you need to spend a fortune on ads to be able Mm. to get acquisition and then kind of drive customers like what was your approach yeah. Um, or maybe even your learnings and how your approach changed to that.
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a bit of a like I said, a bit of mix-up between learnings and what I see now working at an agency versus working with yeah. other brands. And I, I think, look, there are some brands that are going to come out. Like, so let me go back. So our, ours work really well at the beginning through word of mouth. We didn't put any money yeah. into marketing. Like you say, we bootstrapped. We've never taken money from anybody into the business. We don't have any money really. Anything noticeable in the business, it's kind of floated itself. Now, the downside that with retrospect is that if you don't have this viral explosion, like it's, you know, it is it is a much slower trajectory, you know, any yeah. bootstrapping it is. If I look back now, if I could do things differently, would have I pumped more money at the beginning? Potentially. But when I started it, it was a side hustle, you know, and and, yeah. I, and that's yeah. probably one thing, if I can actually that. I think there's one thing to obviously be very clear is like, when you start the business, like a lot of people start as a side hustle and you treat it as a side hustle, but then it's gonna remain as a side hustle, the, you know? You,
0: you get the results that you put in. Yeah, it right you version. need yeah. to go
1: right, that's all you do. We okay? get okay, bang it out and, and this is our plan. But now getting to the best channels, I suppose, look, word of mouth is always good, good value. Um, and look, there are a few, and I'll tell you more the unicorn type products. So if someone comes out and it picks up and overnight they've got 30,000 followers, you know, and, yeah. you know, built on all well, that business that we in the food business, it's not something that's revolutionary or something new. So it's a, as long as if we've created something that someone's never seen as they send someone crazy. Yeah. So it's a much more of a natural, it's been more of a natural slow progression, more of a marketing spiel. So I, I do think that off the get-go, if you are going online, what you do want is a very clear and concise website so when people do come to you, they know exactly yep. what they're getting and and what the value proposition is essentially. What value are they getting? You know, because at the end of the day, and you know yourself as a bit of marketing 101, you know, people are buying the benefits, not the product. Yep. So it took me a long time to probably realize and learn that because I didn't traditionally come from a marketing background. It's kind of been something which I've dived into over the last eight years and would be, you know, quite well versed in now but at the time i was like saying hey everyone wants built on this is built on but yeah, it's like yeah. okay cool what does built on do for me to the people that don't know it you know your yeah. early adopters p they know it they're going to take it but how do you get from early adopter to, to mass market and and that's where you are you, you need a kind of a clear concise kind of you know strategy where where do my well first to identify who is my customer you know whose kind of problems am i solving and then go where do they hang out? What channel? If you know, Are they yeah. on their Facebook? Are they on the Instagrams, Are they on TikTok, TikTok, Snapchat? Are they on email? Whatever it might be. Where's my core customer? How do I reach them? How do they talk? And then you communicate to them in their kind of language. So it's a lot more, I suppose, relatable. And I know that's very general. But I think that's a very starting point where a lot of people, even myself, you come out, you go, I've got this product, everyone wants it. And... I think the first thing to realize is that not everyone wants your product. Yeah. And you really have to identify the key is to really dive deep and ask who actually wants it. And from there, you know, you ask yourself those questions. Where do they hang out? Where should I advertise them? How do I advertise to them? It, it, it
0: might seem like marketing 101. Yeah. Um, but you can even see big brands making mistakes and some assumptions around this type of thing. And, and I think as a consumer, we're, we're relatively savvy to it now um, when we know we're getting we're getting a quality product that we're happy to pay for um, and engaging with brands when we know we're engaging in the right way. You're, you've made that transition now from a business owner, Dylan, mm-hmm. uh, and you still are obviously, Tong Chief is still going yeah. as the, not the side hustle, but um, yeah. a, a nice business on the side. but. You, you really lent into and doubled down now and you're working for an agency as, as obviously an expert in, in email yeah. marketing. Um, talk to me about that transition uh, and, and your kind of passion for email now. Anyone that, uh, that's looking for a good follow on LinkedIn, I would suggest following Dylan's post. They've, they're excellent for email marketing 101s <laughs> um, and understanding what's going on in that particular channel. And that's where I want to double down now and kind of talk to you about that transition and, and how that kind of opened up for you yeah. um, in essentially a self-taught marketing role, really.
1: Yeah, so, so I suppose um, if I lean on my experience of built Chief teeth originally, we obviously were, were sending emails out just as you did with yeah. with MailChimp back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we noticed there's always a strong, spike in sales when when an email went out and it's obviously also the most cost effective route versus you know paying on 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 facebook then or meta now and, and and the various marketing channels so i'd kind of always enjoyed that and um but yeah so i kind of did email was sort of working and so i continued to just dive deeper and get into it and and then what had happened was we actually i moved over from hong kong we moved over to ireland with a with the plan, well my wife is Irish and we were coming back but there's a plan to expand built on chief into Ireland actually. Yeah. And so what I came over was and now, bear in mind, we were in Hong Kong, we are essentially a, a marketing company with a relationship with manufacturers and producers. I mean, we deal directly yep. with farms and we deal directly with producers but we don't produce ourselves with our bare hands. Yeah. I came over to Ireland and wanted to try and You know, redo the model and and, and however it landed, I ended up, we ended up setting up our own facility and became producers as well as the marketers. And we launched a built on factory, and um, within about one month of launching, COVID hit. And, yeah. <laughs> and and anyway, so what ended up happening was that ended up being a disaster. I it a bit of a failed business. It tips away in the background. Bolton Chief Island is alive, and but to, it, it barely moves the needle. It's just it's just there. You know, we end up moving to a contract manufacturer now, and all of that. But yeah, so when that kind, I of was going, hold on, this hasn't taken off. I wanted COVID's kind of nailed me. Um, but then, as you would know yourself, a lot of businesses really accelerated during COVID. A lot of other e-commerce yep. things. Now, we in Ireland we're a bit of a niche brand where you need a lot of educate to educate the market of what Biltong is. And yep. as I've kind of learned retrospectively, as soon as you throw the word educate into a brand you're releasing, you know you need to you be paying an arm yep. and a leg when you start releasing a product that requires education. Yep. You. Uh, you're against the wind a bit, man. You need, you need a long, big run rate. You need some capital. There's going to be money. And, yeah. and we, didn't, we hadn't envisioned that. Um, and, and, and so what I did see, though, was that a lot of e-commerce brands that were established were flying. And I had this skill in kind of marketing uh, for from, at that stage, six years of Boat-on-Chief. And Boat-on-Chief Hong Kong was pretty much Matthew's running it on the ground there. We've got a couple of assistants. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm fairly hands-off. So I reached out to a couple of people and started doing some freelance you know, yeah. with my markets, so I was like, look, I've run a business. Let me show you what I can do. And I scaled a couple of business quite a, quite aggressively, um, primarily through email. Look, I managed Meta. I managed Google Ads. But I said to them, let's double down on email. And during that time, I I really spent any spare second I had, like, attending webinars, doing courses. I, I ended up yeah. doing a postgrad through UCC and uh, digital marketing strategy. I just used COVID to really focus. And I leveraged... I was probably working with about twelve brands at the time. Uh, yeah. I learned a lot from that. All of a sudden, I had exposure. I knew my industry, and I was when I was working with ten or twelve different brands. I was like, "Hold on, what I do actually works." You know, if you just apply it to 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 the different industries, to the specific yeah. brands, yeah. And so that's how I started getting into it. So I got kind of really deep into it, and like I said, some some good success, some good brands which which scaled quite quite noticeably, and um. Yeah, I was like, I actually wouldn't mind pursuing this a bit more full time. You know, I've got a lot more time built on Chiefs, fairly self running. Well, 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 other people are kind of running a lot. I just do the email yeah. for it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I got uh, in touch with Madcraft and, yeah, I ended up coming on as their head of email marketing. And I've been with them for about two, just five a year now. And it, it's been great. You know, I probably work with another 12, 15 brands at the moment. And, and yeah. doing very much similar thing with them.
0: I, I, thought, I find it super interesting, mate. Um, just just from a career path because yeah. because it's um it, it actually it's probably a bit different to most people yeah. that that maybe start in agency world and start with a digital marketing background, but with no experience of running a brand. Um, let's talk about email as a channel yeah. because I, I like it, it's it's a hard one. I oh, hear at extreme push we see it as again it's our most valuable channel that is offered to customers Um, and I I think email's taken a bit of a knock sometimes where everything new and fancy can take over it but again every e-commerce brand or every brand that you talk to still collects email and still runs email Mm -hmm. campaigns and the ones that do it well tend to get really good returns from it Um, and I don't know if it gets talked about enough, it probably does in the LinkedIn bubble amongst digital marketers but I think that the general population don't quite realize how important email is for, for kind of revenue for brands. What what do you like about the channel when you're talking about scaling brands quickly with email?
1: I, I think quite a lot. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It probably, sometimes you say email to people, one of the first things all goes, oh, I hate getting all these emails, you know? Yeah. And that already shows that it's because when someone says that to me, straight away knows it's because you're getting emails that aren't adding value to you. Okay. Yep. So straight away you're getting the wrong emails. And that comes down to the brands you subscribe to. So that's that's already that now that's where we always position it with when we talk to brands. Like if you send if you send people the right emails, they'll want to be getting them. And I, I'm fairly, you know, for especially if we talk looking at e commerce or, or business or consumer businesses, emails yeah. should be accounting for thirty percent plus of your of your revenue you know 25 is where you want to aim for but like our goal is we say to like brands we want to get you to 30 percent plus it's a very powerful channel um and, and and what you're going to realize with email is that people have because I, I just firstly clever i'm in the business of cold emailing you know we're in the business of yep. warmly people have come in and and that's what you're going to realize people have opted in they have said to you as a business i want to hear from you Okay, so how more perfect is that? Like someone's told you, yes, send me an email. So they've already given you consent. They've already told you they want to hear from you. So they've seen value in you already, okay? Yes, you might've used a lead magnet through a, you know, a download or ebook or a discount or whatever it was, but they were engaged enough to commit to your brand. So you you need that mentality straight away. This person wants to hear from me. I'm not, I'm not annoying them. I'm giving them what they've asked for, but I need to now give them the value that they expect. Okay? Yep. So, if you look at things like, obviously, if you look at things like let's say meta marketing or Google Ads, maybe not so much Google Ads, but like meta that, you know, that's almost your disruptive marketing where you know you're scrolling yeah. and ads are popping up, ads are popping up. You haven't asked for that. You've been targeted based on your likes or your preferences. Okay. The awesome page you follow and the messages coming in front of you. So you're trying to win people over. So that's where that's essentially an acquisition. You know, when you when you're paying for those type, those ads to appear in front of people, that's going down as an acquisition cost. You know, someone clicks on that, you're paying for that. Okay, they eventually come in, they might purchase from you, and that's fine. Um, Google Ads. It's a bit of a mix you know with the p max at the moment you're doing a lot more display and you're getting in front of people yeah. and shopping and there's a search obviously where people are looking for you and you're then supporting them so it's a bit more of a balance but those two are a hybrid right but then you've got email which is the only one where people have actually asked to receive that type of marketing yeah and you've got direct line to their pocket direct line you're not you're not trying to win space with everybody else yes in to a degree winning space in the inbox okay but you're not fighting with all this other noise. You're going straight into the inbox where they've asked for it, and if you're giving them the right content, they'll open it and, and obviously engage with you.
0: How it how important for a brand is getting getting that first email or that first set of emails right yeah. to talk to the customer to provide that value? Is that something that you look at as a as a must do yeah. and a must win situation, or do you find that people will come back after you know 60, 90 days? two emails that are that are then coming back into their inbox. Do you have a, a set cadence per yeah. brand
1: or is it is it something that you think is a general rule of thumb? Yeah, so it's a generate email where you're really going to win is like I like those first few impressions of what a user's experience is going to yeah. be with email. And and I mean like look, just going to the numbers, you you know I think acquisition generally is five times more expensive than retention on on average by various studies. So it's like going, okay, we know that. So let's put our focus here. And that's what i say. Let's go retention. Okay, how do we retain them? Let's give them good information. So like what I'd do those first few emails. I'm a very big believer in the importance of a strong um, welcome series. So, or, or drip email automation. So when someone signed up, those first four or five emails that they get, very clear. It's that they don't, they aren't part of the cohorts that get your general emails if you've got a newsletter that's going out but they are still in that initial stage of getting their first four emails five emails they are excluded okay they yep. are just getting that you're setting the tone you're setting the messaging they're at a different stage of their journey you take them down and at, by the end of that they should understand what to expect from email who the brand is, because you know some people sign up at a bit more of an exploratory level still. They're still building that trust with a brand. So it's who the brand is, who are maybe the people behind it, depending on the type of business you are. Um, and then a few kind of what are the, the best sellers or the best hits in the brand and and, and maybe some personalized recommendations. Um, and, and, and what's important I say is the personalized is depending on the ESP, the email service provider you use, um, yeah. You can collect so much first party data or if you 've asked people to sign up that you should then be putting within that email sequence making personal messages to that user you know so either if it's a product based company only recommending products that person is showing interest in if it's a uh if they've collected some kind of data um at sign up let's say like is this uh yeah. You know, you're buying a bag. Is this bag for work, personal use, or vacation? You know, even yeah. the type of image you show or the messaging you use, you know, should be around that information they've given you. You've got to leverage all that data. And I think if you can show personalization in those first four to five emails, the person, the recipient is like, hey, you know, Will's talking to me. He's not talking to 20,000 yeah. people. And that's that's another way coming to like, when he write an email, it's not like, hey, everybody, it's like you got to send that email if I'm talking to you like, hey, Will. And like, you know, because that emails be so personalized yeah. based on segmentation that when you read that email, with obviously a degree of it, like, you know, you could go 90%, like, that email is meant for me, you know? Yeah. Like, if your grandmother opened that email, like, unless you guys got the exact same kind of likes, it's it, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it, it should really relate to her. Yeah. So and uh, uh, it's funny, you, you like all of these,
0: all of these pieces, they're, they're coming back to a core bit here, right? And, and you've talked about this a lot on LinkedIn. You've got it. You've got to be data driven in the yeah. way that you're driving your personalization and your automation. Um, it, one of my one of my pet peeves is with big brands still still engaging in batch and blast, um, which. You know, like, yeah, it might- You're giving me sweats. You re- You're giving me the sweats. Yeah, yeah, it, might, it, it, might, yeah it might move the, the revenue needle and look nice in a report up to a CMO or something. But um, like brands are swimming in first party data. Um, Talk to me about how you think about pairing action That a that a customer is actually taking on a website and and then pairing it with with their preference that they're talking about so action to drive outcome as well like is that something that you're looking at heavily for a channel like email
1: yeah massive and and so I'll reference in this in in this podcast suppose my my preferred. Uh, email service, which, which is Clavio, and I might have mentioned previously.
0: And, and for everyone listening, then um, if you are looking at Clavio, excellent email service provider. But you can come talk to Extreme Push. But that's my only product plug for us in this uh, <laughs> podcast. But I, I am joking. No, and 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 I, and I think it is important to call out that there are excellent. There is there's, there's we can get onto the tech side yeah. of it, but there are so many good service providers out there. Clavio um, do an excellent and, job.
1: And that's exactly it. And, and I suppose my take when and I say Clavio, would be let me rephrase it a platform that is able to collect data you know and that you yep. can use that, that, that that's really where it comes to and so everything is about that so like how we would leverage data so let's just say for example we work we work with the luxury jewelry brand at the one at the moment and you know at sign up stage would maybe ask like um are you purchasing a gift for yourself to yourself, for an engagement, for a wedding, a gift for her, a gift for him, yep. you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then that first email go out and, you know, we do our conditional split. So we maybe got six emails go out, depending on what the person said. And, you know, like if it was, someone said they're looking for an engagement ring, you know, our, our heading or our subject line might be something on the lines of like, you know, everything begins with a yes. You know, I'm just throwing it out there and you know, I might. So, yep. you know, and, and then the image might be, you know, two people, you know, only one person on the knee proposing. And then, you know, thank you for, uh, you know, welcome to X. You know, we um, are excited, you know, do you know, that you're looking for an engagement ring, one exciting time of your life, da, da, da. So you're really kind of giving that person that information. But now that, that's, that's very easy because they've told you that. That's very basic data collection. That's yeah. input. But now with some of these email platforms is that like, you are able to track exactly what a user once they've subscribed has done on the website, so yep. you know you can see where they've viewed products what they viewed um, how uh, kind of where they dropped off where they, where they entered the page you can see also where what source they came from. So, you know, it's yep. important that when you're doing your email, you're also connecting it to to your advertising platforms where you're acquiring them from. So with your Google Ads, with your Meta, um, because you want to see which channels are working and also um align with what message they might have seen on Google ads, what they might have seen with Facebook on, on Facebook. You you know if there's a pop-up going to come up if they've come from there. But anyway, you'll know what type of user they are. And 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 so what we would do is like let's say for an example, I'll use a jewelry example again where, because sometimes it's a slower burn, you know, jewelry yeah. than a consumable. Someone's buying like, if you're a gross online grocer or food business, you know, people are going to finish their food seven, eight days. They've probably got a higher frequency. You can hit them with like, hey, you know, time to top up again every seven days where, you know, buying a piece of jewelry, it might be a, you might only buy every 120 days. And yeah. so what we would really do is like, if someone's viewing a specific product, a certain amount of times, within a certain number of days. So let's say there's a lovely ring on the website and it may be a 5,000 euro piece or or whatever. And we we create a segment that some Will has viewed that ring um, three times in the last 30 days. As soon as that third time comes, we would set up an automation that uh, 24 hours later, you would get an email specifically about that, if it's a collection yeah. or a piece of jewelry, whatever. But for you as the user, now that's a very well-timed email. You've looked at this ring, yesterday was the third time you've looked at it, and now the next day you get an email about this ring and talking about it, a story and, you know, yes, a lot of consumers understand how it works, but for the average consumer doesn't understand the data behind these platforms, okay?
0: And it's that classic case of, oh, I think people will say, I think Instagram's listening to me, <laughs> yeah. or I think, yeah. I think this, jewelry brands listening to me and it's like no no well it's actually because you've you've clicked on an Instagram ad that had the same ring in it that's that's tied through a really nice dynamic ad for instance yeah. um, that's being informed by your data you've then seen it in your email even if you didn't read the email you've glanced and, and caught a really nice image and you're like that ring is in your head yeah um it, yeah and and I think the average consumer can, can some kinds think oh geez this is this is really yeah potentially even invasive yeah. but it's not it's a, it's actually Quite well thought out, and people people don't realise
1: how many breadcrumbs they leave along the way. Yeah, and yep. and and like if we go into like the advertisers out on the meta, like you know when you're doing your lookalike ads and that, it's like you know you could be if I'm talking to my if my wife is you know looking at certain rings, okay, there's a reality yep. that those are going to appear on my feed. Because you know, we're similar, we look alike, we connected. You know, the and then you go, yeah. hey, they're listening to me talk and it came up. And look, I'm not ruling yeah. out that that happens, but I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I, I can't, you know, that's that well beyond me. That would have to talk yeah, to Mark Zuckerberg that, about that. Yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> with um, with Musk and Zuckerberg, maybe <laughs> maybe not so um, maybe not so unlikely. Yeah. Um I, I love that I love that idea and, and the best brands we see working with it are the ones that really double down on that that idea of action to inform first party data or zero party That's data. So important. Do you think do you, do you think e-commerce brands yeah. when when we com- when we compare them say to media brands yeah. that are always asking about your preferences, do you want to hear about more sports news, politics yeah. news? Do you think e-commerce brands are a little hesitant in asking customers for specific preference and then feeding that back into their marketing? Like we see a yeah. lot of we see we see some um, post post purchase follow up where you're doing trust pilot. How often do you think brands are actually saying, you know, what do you want to hear from us about? What products are you interested in? When when are your birthdays? When are you shopping with us? What what type of stuff are you doing? Yeah, um,
1: you definitely see a lot more from like your media because, like you said, they don't have that data of activity. To a degree, yeah. they do. I suppose what you browse. browsing, like if you look at a Netflix now, they pick up a lot more of the activity. Yeah, but yeah, e-commerce. Yeah, it's actually interesting you say that. We do get some, you know, we put that to some um, clients. You're right, that you can always make assumptions in data, but sometimes just actually asking the question, like you get the best information. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of brands are hesitant to actually ask or engage. They seem like, oh, you know, it's a bit invasive, but it's not. People, I think I read something earlier today, and I, I might have the the stats slightly wrong, but it says something like, I think it was a study done by Salesforce, 63% of users... Um, expect their data to be used for personalization when they give it. And, and yeah. I think, actually I might even have it behind me, I think in 73% of users expect personalization. You know, yeah. so that's the world we live in. So like if you're not providing it, like you are falling behind, because so that's what users expect. So if that means you need to ask, you need to ask. But uh, I would say with, especially if you look at the e-commerce specifically, like if you're using the right tools, you should be collecting more than enough data to be able to help that user get that information. But your basic things like birthday, we will do that. So you might have like a little slide out and, hey, when, you know, want a birthday treat, what's your birthday? And yeah. and to be honest, some people think, oh, okay. there's, mal- you know, there's some kind of intention, they want my birthday because they're creating this. And the genuine thing is like, when you're collecting someone's birthday, is to give them a reward on their birthday to get an additional sale yeah. from them if you call a spade a spade around their birthday that they might not have done. But I suppose in the ind- maybe the other industry, how we work in industries, where there's no other intention of that birthday because half the time we don't ask for the year of birth because that's irrelevant you know, for us. It's yeah. like... Yeah, what's your birthday? Behavior instead. Yeah, correct. So, there's, so those things are important. I think getting those things are good. And and I want to circle to what you said. There was um, you spoke about the post purchase and collect re- reviews. Now, just to go to the post purchase flow, I spoke about the welcome series a bit earlier. Yeah. So if I'm like when I'm setting up a client, like what are, what what people need to send the most important emails you'll be sending to your users are your welcome series, your post purchase series. Okay. Yep. Welcome, you've nurtured, you've built trust, you've put them in a position that they feel like they want to buy from you, so they've purchased. Now, a lot of people, that's it. They do the next email, they get is a transactional order confirmation email, which needs to happen. But there's nothing after that. This person's just giving you their money. Okay? You now need to go and build that relationship because this is the difference now between a sale and being in the acquisition world and retention. And then, yeah. so then what we start looking at, we talk, because I know you spoke earlier also, you mentioned um, about the cost and when, when people might come in 60 days, 90 days, but like how we always measure is your customer lifetime value. Okay. So everything I'm doing, like customer lifetime value is my North Star. So I go, okay, how how do I increase that? Okay. Well, to increase customer lifetime value, there's two main ways. It's in, increase the user's frequency, the number of how, how often they purchase and the number of times they purchase in a period and or or and increase the average order value, okay? Your customer lifetime value. So how do you do that? You build a relationship. People want to buy for people who they feel committed to a relationship, not tied to because they can't get anywhere else. Yes, if you have know, a unique offering, it's very different. But your main supplier, I want to buy from these people. They're nice. They looked after. So post purchase, thank you. Splitting to understand when it's someone's first purchase versus when it's a repeat purchase and acknowledging yeah. that. Hey, well. Thank you. We just noticed you made your first purchase with us last week, or today, yeah. or yesterday, or whatever it might be. Rua, thank you. Love us. Feel follow up seven or eight days later. Check in on them. How did you find the product? You know, yep. if you have, if you've got any feedback, please feel free to reply to this email. Give them that um, opportunity. And it can be a customer service nightmare. So it depends on the scale and size of your business. Yep. But that it's amazing how. When you give someone the option to reply versus fill in this form, okay, it's like, oh, that's personal. I'm replying to someone. Yeah. Okay. So, and what often is often we'll get replies of appreciation versus replies of moaning. If people that reply, they want to give up. When I say moaning, sorry, that weren't happy. They bad experiences. You'll often go find. They'll go straight to the review platforms.
0: Yeah, they're going on there to, to drop the one star review,
1: and 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 it's an, and it's amazing how good it is for your because it's a whole other discussion. But email health and deliverability, you know, you need yeah. the, you need that click through rate, you need that engagement because the, the old days of looking at your open rate that's that's you know 20, yeah, 20, 18, 19, yeah with you know what's it a, a- M- P- P or the apple privacy yeah. so you know you need to get a balance so you need you want to continue to engage the user and then from that. Instead of you would then, based on when you would expect a user to buy again, based on the type of product, or if you're trying to improve, improve your frequency by like 10%, you would then say, okay, post purchase, thank you, maybe 10 days follow up. And then you would tag the profile that after they made that purchase, like if you expect them to buy in 45 days again, like 38 days later, there's an automated email going to them yep. saying, and you only send that email to them if they haven't purchased. So everything you do, you know yourself, you put an exclusion. If placed order, out, out. Um, and I think you can really build that and start discussing them. And there's an the opportunity that you can in your post-purchase. If you are an organization or business that does need additional data, you maybe aren't able to collect everything you want. Once someone has has bought your product, you get it. But I would be more keen to ask people that have made uh, two purchases in plus, for for questions, because at first when they're trying it, they're still getting it, they don't want to feel inundated. now this guy I've just purchased. You could ask for feedback. I'd be more going feedback, feedback, but once someone's made a second purchase, you start getting that deeper deeper data. Like, why did you come back? What do you like? What don't you like? Maybe third purchase, plus you start doing net promoter scores, you know? So it just depends on on the type of product and what your frequency is. I I,
0: I find the discussion so interesting because You've just gone a fifteen minute. Sorry, um, uh, no, no, in, uh, no. In in a brilliant fashion of of you can see, I'm sure um, the Dylan sitting in Hong Kong in 2015 <laughs> setting up the brand would go, "Geez, I wish I knew some of this when I was setting up a brand." Um, I, I wanna I wanna pivot. Um, so you're obviously you, you, you're in the industry. You look at it. Do you do you see like some North Star brands that you think are doing a really good job that you could name? Going email or is there is there anyone in particular that jumps out or their campaigns that you've you've liked or you've seen? Um, it might be funny. You might even be someone that doesn't engage with the email ch- channel. Too. I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I, I bloody unsubscribe from them now. I'm checking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you there's one, guys. I actually I know. Before we get their name, wrong, uh I actually love this stuff. I think they're called Don't Give a Crap. They, I don't know if okay. you've you seen their toilet paper brand, right? Yeah. They've yeah. made toilet paper fun, man. Okay. And yeah, they're, okay. They're, they're, their humor is very satire and I quite like it, but I, I don't actually, to be honest, there isn't one brand who's, I think because I work across like maybe, I probably, if I think of my portfolio now, I'm probably looking at 12 or thirty different verticals. You know, yeah, food okay. and beverage, during that. So, I actually have a couple of pl- platforms where, I go to and um, like one is actually um, if yep. a, yeah, yeah. where I might more look at someone as a vertical and I'll see all campaigns that have been going out in that vertical. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm actually pretty bad at taking in what the brand name was. I, I'm more looking at, oh, I'll save that. I'll save that. And I look at what I like yeah. about why did that email make me stop? okay and I'll, I'll learn and then I'll, I'll i'll kind of write internal notes so i'm actually i must say i'm pretty bad at not, not having a, a a brand that um the other one i do yeah. like is i must say some other one i do like is actually sorry is uh is a death by what's that one where they've done this they've got a can now it looks like a monster can in it but it's just water it's canned water Uh yeah yeah um yeah, I know the guys you talking yeah, about. There
0: yeah. we go. Well, yeah, uh, there's some there's some cool brands in that space yeah. for sure. Because they've got a, they're selling water, they got to stand yeah, so out somehow. So it's a yeah.
1: bit different. But generally, yeah. so I De- don't have any kind of North Story Li- Liquid, <clears throat> liquid death. Liquid death. liquid death. Yeah, yeah, I like some yeah, of this stuff. I must say, yeah. like they have but, some fun uh, stuff.
0: I I like what you just said there about your your process as as someone that's that's running campaigns. Like you can tell from everything you've talked about, and and, and we don't need to go into depth, but that. That test and learn method <sighs> yeah. around you've got data, you've got cohorts, go and send some emails to them and see what happens and test and learn. yeah look at personalization, run a B tests, run different um, different types of campaigns. like how important do you think that is? for learning and continually improving your email um, outreach
1: very important i think kind of test test and make data driven decisions i'm a big i'm big into my data we've all got our assumptions and opinions and brand the big thing is brand owners have their opinions and their assumptions of how they want their brand to be and i was like that yeah i was so precious and had my way and like if i look back on learnings like if i just kind of rather than what I wanted to be out there and looked at data rather to help me make those decisions.
0: Followed the data, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's it. And look, and I, I think I said in a, in a LinkedIn post recently, you know, good data can be SHRT data if you yep. if you don't use it. You know, a lot of people have these big data sheets and they run all these tests, which is amazing, and they present, look what we found, but they don't take any action from it. If you're going yep. to do a test and if you're going to do something like have a hypothesis, like what do I expect to achieve from this? okay. Then at the end of it, what was the outcome? Cool, fail, pass, or A, B. And now what is the action I'm gonna take from that? Yeah, You know, and when you get the data at the end of the month, we, we vary, and I've, I mean, you do go through phases where you report this data to your clients because there's so much of it and they want to see all these KPIs. This did this, this did this, did this, did this did this. But if there's no action from it, what's the point of it? And, yeah. and I think that's just one thing I'd say is, do your testing, look at your data and I'll go down rabbit holes loads of times, but make sure that you've got a couple of start pieces that you look at that you can make decisions from and action them. And sometimes your yeah. actions will be wrong. And there's that, but that's a learning, you know? It's, yeah. it's part of it. it I, 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 as we kind of
0: finish up, um, like the, we obviously name the podcast experts in the room and, and your expertise in this space is so important. If you were, if you were kind of going back to founding days, yeah. how, like you're sitting in an agency chair now, so obviously the answer is come and work with an agency. Um, how important do you think it is for brands when they get to the right scale to either in-house this expertise by hiring someone that knows what they're doing um, or go out to an agency and get help with it and either learn it yourself or then use yeah. the agency as a crutch to be able to 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 take that cost or that that time away yeah. from you and let an expert kind of do it? Do you think... Do you think there's a benefit to either way of doing that? Um, we'll pretend that you're CEO. Yeah, not no, I, 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 <laughs> I, I,
1: I would say genuinely is have an expert in the channel. If you want to employ yeah. someone in-house, that's fine. If you don't want to employ in-house, it's not part of your strategy and you want to be able to cut ties and you want to eventually learn from someone, of course, leverage on an agency, keep eyes on what they're doing and you can take in house. Yeah. Do not do it half assed. Okay. And that's yeah. and that's what we did at the beginning. And look, it's got me to where I am now in all my learning. So if your goal is to really just learn, but would did, did not having outside expertise, um, or bringing in, in-house in expertise to built on chiefs, slow its growth, one hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. It's it's not where it should have been, or where it could have been, I should say. Let's put that way, if we had accelerated. So if you do something half-assed, you will get unsubscribed. You will get your email, will be a waste of time. Get someone that yeah. to do, because you can have, and one thing I'd like to like say is that you can have the most beautifully designed email, and it's not saying that you don't know how to design. The design and the content of the email, of course, the copywriting is very, very important. It's only the last, the last percentage. You have to know who it's going to, when it's going to them, why it's going to them, what you need to say to get them to open it. That is the skill. Okay, and that's what we yeah. get. We had some people going. I can design this. You know, I've been working on Canva. I've been working on Figma. That's cool. Who are you sending it to? Why are you sending it to them? When are you send them? What time? Why? What data? What decision? How are you increasing the yeah. average order value? How are you increasing the customer lifetime value? Like, and I think what's 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 kind of served. If you are a business owner, what will serve you well is understanding the customer journey and understanding what you're trying to achieve but share that knowledge if you do outsource with a, an agency share that knowledge with an agency because agencies are there yep. to support you not to replace you it's your business more they understand we can ha- And the other thing is also listen to agencies when they see data that you don't understand because they'll give you information so yep. Overall, I would say if you want to do it in-house, it's fine, but don't get someone that can just design and push send on an email. Understand email, understand yeah. it, because it, it will be, it should be 30% of your business revenue, which is crazy yeah. to and, think like, you know.
0: And, and it's so funny, the hats that a CRM or an email marketing manager that, that they're wearing now compared to 10 years yeah. ago around being data-driven and so many more roles within that space. Yeah, um, and and we've spoken to plenty of people on the podcast about like the difficulty of filling that role, finding people that are that are holistic marketers, but that are being driven by data rather than potentially being pigeonholed into one area. So it, it, yeah,
1: it, 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 you hit it's, the nail uh, on the head, then, and we we found that a little bit, and it, it, it is tricky that you actually, because email is becoming such a beast, and I, and when I say email, I'm also including SMS marketing, which is another discussion. Yeah, crash, all, but all, the all time, of those first party. Channels, yeah, all so yeah. first party. But like you're actually into a stage where people are becoming like. um email designers, you've got your email copywriters yeah. and your email strategists. So when you get quite big, I, kind of, I think where, where my benefit has come from at the moment is that because I ran a bit of an e-commerce business and did it, I've, I've kind of become that like, you know, like almost like the props of 1996 where you could play lucid <laughs> yeah. and head, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. on the side, yeah. The the, and even pop into hooker if you needed to, you know? <laughs> so so I've kind of come from that, like I've gone that route. But I think today... You, you know, it is getting to a stage where you're quite specialist, but if you're starting, don't get too caught up in that. Just get someone that understands and make sure you also use the right platform. That, that's it. And, and, you know, whatever platform you want to use is, is up to you, but it's like look into it and what you want to achieve and can you get the information you need to to scale your business.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's a that's a really big conversation to go into. Really doing due diligence when you're looking at your tech stack yeah. um, from the start. Like uh, I think people can fall into not fall into. Like Wix will have its place as you're beginning. Yeah. Shopify will have its place. Yeah, maybe a headless headless e-commerce platform will have its place once you're there. But then the same for your marketing stack. Yeah, um, being able to work with vendors that can give you support, um, agencies that can give you support, yeah. so important. Um, as as someone that's starting out potentially, and
1: then I, I suppose the challenge the challenge is like when you start out, if you are oh, bootstrapping, you you cash you cash strapped, you go you can't imagine like paying an yeah. agency or paying an employee, and and that's what we are. But how if you if you view your employees or your agencies right as liabilities and expenses, then that's what they become. You need to view you need to employ or engage a, an agency or in house or whatever it might be a freelancer as an asset because essentially they should be able to generate more revenue than they're costing. Because if they're not, or if they're they're not, then they are a liability and expense they probably need to go. So I have that mindset and, and I think that's where I struggled also at the start was even marketing. I saw because I didn't understand marketing fully then. I thought I did, but if I look back when in like twenty sixteen, I was like, Oh, I understand marketing too now. And <laughs> and I guarantee you will, like when I look back to today in you know, a year's time, I'll have the same sentence. Same you know, thing, probably yeah. tomorrow yeah. I should know more than I know today. It's how it goes. Yeah. You know, today's is the least I'll ever know. You know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and like I was like, Oh no, be tight, be spread. like no, like don't put caps on what you spend. Put caps on what your, what your where your kind of cost of acquisition is and what your ROAS might be. Look at them together and go, yeah. if your CAC is higher, your customer lifetime is exceeding your CAC and all of this, it's like, okay, well, it's profitable. So don't turn off because it's not profitable. You know, just think with the right mindset and uh, realize that you need to market to make money sometimes. Unless you do go viral organically, then yeah, that, fair play the to you. Fair, <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair play to you and please take any of my <laughs> brands and run with them. Like, there are people that do it and that, that's amazing. You know, It's, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's 80-20, though. 80% of people aren't doing it that way. Yeah, huh? they
0: don't get to that phase. Um, Dylan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, mate. Um, uh, for, for anyone that is uh, genuinely looking at doing a good follow, uh, on LinkedIn Dylan puts up some excellent content um, real you. expert in his field and I'm sure get in touch with Dylan um, if you are looking for help uh, with your campaigns um, and Madcraft yep um, thanks mate for having you um, thanks well I'll be expecting I'll be expecting a bag of Bill I'd say the- <laughs> 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 yeah just, just look
1: out so and just sign up for the email okay you'll get yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, <laughs> so, I'll get my 10% off 10% <laughs> in the beautiful welcome series <laughs> <laughs> excellent cheers, mate thank cheers you